Hey guys, welcome to this new series, Why Am I Seventh-day Adventist? I'm so excited about this series because I talk about what's close to my heart, being a Seventh-day Adventist. Now, when you go to the internet, like even with your friends, there's different, you know, different vibes you get when you hear the name Seventh-day Adventist. Some people think, you know, Seventh-day Adventists are strange. Some people think Seventh-day Adventists are, you know, weird, anything like that. But the reason why we're doing this is to just break down um, what are the main, what's the foundation of Seventh-day Adventist, what's the importance of being Seventh-day Adventist, and why, at the end of the day, it matters to us, but also it matters to you somehow. And so stick around and find out how being a Seventh-day Adventist, or even the idea of Seventh-day Adventist can be a blessing to you and to those around you. I'm not here alone. I'll be doing this with my friend. We'll be talking about what does it mean to be Seventh-day Adventist. And I'm joined with uh, Daniel. Hey, Daniel. Hello, how are you? Good to have you on the show. Yeah, good to be here. Awesome. Uh, you know, we'll be talking about Seventh-day Adventist. Obviously, Daniel is Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, we go to the same church, Westminster Seventh-day mm -hmm. Adventist mm -hmm. Church. And uh, it's been a pleasure, you know, working with him on different projects, but also even in church capacity, um, you know, personal ministries, trying to, you know, spread the, the gospel through the different things we do. And uh, I admire him for his knowledge on, you know, the church, the scriptures. And today I want to break down what does it mean to be Seventh-day Adventist? And so I want to ask, you know, the viewers might not know, how long have you been Seventh-day Adventist? Well, that's a, a bit of a tricky question because it's right. like, you know, sometimes, you know, you grew up in the church mm -hmm. and you're Seventh-day Adventist, but really, right. what does that really mean, right? I mean, you can be something by name <laughs> at times, right? Yeah, true. And as a child, mm -hmm. you know, I went to church because... I had no other choice. Right. That's where my parents took me. <laughs> yeah. That's how I grew up. It was part of my, I guess, culture right. to go. Mm -hmm. uh, but really for myself, I would say um, I was baptized at age 21. Okay. Uh, I'm 36 now. So, mm. it, you know, it's been a while now. Awesome. That's awesome. Actually, same story with me because I, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist as well. And it wasn't until my early teen years as a teenager, that's when I decided, um, you know, I need to get baptized. And that really speaks to something. And maybe we, we can, you know, develop that here, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because it's different to be born Seventh-day Adventist, but then there's something that happens that makes you want to get baptized. That's beyond just peer pressure. And for me, you know, when I studied, you know, the prophecies, Daniel, Revelation, it really intrigued me. Like the prophecies were so real. And I was like, there's something unique about this church that that I had to say, you know, I want to be baptized and be part of it. For you, what really made you want to get baptized? Hmm. Well, 
Now, I did say I was baptized when I was 21. That's right. But the first time around, I actually was baptized when I was nine. Okay. Right? Yes, yes. There was a prophecy seminar and, um, you know, we learned a lot there. Mm-hmm. But I still believe that at age nine, I had a bit of lack of understanding. Still, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. It was, I think at age nine, um, with all the prophecies, how it was presented, yeah. I wonder... It, myself if it was more a little bit of fear oh, as well involved you right. know a lot of scary stuff mm. and i wanted to be on the right side of things right I see wow uh but for me uh once uh, i got baptized the second time around when mm-hmm. i was 21 yeah i had just finished going to a bible school it was a mission college of evangelism at the time mm. and i really learned more about the bible and the relationship part of it mm. that it, that really is the focus yeah. of our faith, right? Mm. Uh, it, it's not just words in the Bible. It's not just rules. No, it's it's a relationship mm. with our Creator, right? And that impacted my life, mm. you know, at that point. And that's where I decided where I would like to have that relationship. Relationship, yeah. yeah. That's, that's amazing, yeah. Because, you know, with being Seventh-day Adventists, one of the things you get accused of most of the times is, uh, you know, being legalist and all that, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that's that's very important to point out that relationship is what matters the most. Yes. Now, what we want to do right now is just, you know, talk a brief history of the church itself. How did Seventh-day Adventists begin? And, you know, what were the circumstances that uh, brought up Seventh-day Adventists? Because during the times of the disciples, Jesus, there was no Seventh-day Adventist per se, so how did Seventh-day Adventists begin? How did it come about? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> pretty big question there. <laughs> yeah, it's a compound question. Compound question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I think Seventh-day Adventist is a result of mm. a great awakening, right. right? And I do believe it's prophetic as well. Mm. But uh, the great awakening really starts in the Reformation. Now, obviously, Adventism comes way after the Reformation right. has started. But mm. I think that's where, you know, when people's minds are open because they are able to read the Bible for themselves, yeah. I think that really starts the knowledge increasing, as the mm. Bible says, right? That's right. You know, so uh, by the time Adventism uh, is starting to form, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are a lot of different denominations out there already. For sure. Right? Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are seeking truth, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people reading the Bible. And really, um, Adventism, uh, we can say, uh, originated from skeptic. Right. 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 Somebody who, you know, um, made fun of those who, mm. who seek God, you know. But I believe it was after the Civil War in the United States where... Mm. Uh, he was really contemplating like death. What is it? Where do we right. go? You know, it it really started to bother him. Mm. And, um, you know, even though he scoffed at those who <laughs> believe in the Bible, that's where he ended up going to. Right. He ended up reading the Bible. And right? you're speaking of uh, Miller, right? Yes, that's right. William Miller. Interesting, because uh. he was a veteran. So after the war, he was thinking about what life means. And mm-hmm. then he turned to the scriptures and in there he found something amazing. Exactly. Mm. And, and, at the beginning, even his friends kind of scoffed him, like, are you becoming a religious man? Right, right. from soldier to religion, yeah. it really it's a big leap. Exactly, because, you know, he used to make fun of his, I think it was his uncle, mm. he used to make fun of who was a preacher at the time, right? So, right. 
but he started reading uh, the Bible and mm-hmm. he stumbled upon uh, the 2300 day prophecy That's in right. the Bible, right? And there's not much understanding mm-hmm. at that point in time about it. Yeah. Uh, but from his understanding, uh, which this is a topic, obviously, that we're probably going to cover later on we'll in more to. in depth, right? <laughs> yeah. Because you just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, from his understanding, he believed that uh, Christ was soon to come, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because the interpretation for them at the time about the sanctuary being cleansed is that the earth was the sanctuary. Right. right? So they thought it would be cleansed by God, you know, by Exactly, fires. exactly. So that must be the end of the world. Right. right? You know, and so um, he kept that to himself due mm. to fear. You know, he was afraid to go out there and preach this, but uh, God kept impressing him. And I think it was 10 years or so that he kind of kept this to himself. I and mean, that's pretty wow. difficult. That's pretty Decade, difficult right. amount of time. But eventually, um, you know, with his struggles, mm-hmm. he finally prayed to God and said, fine, God, you know, like, if you want me to preach this, yeah. then I will only do so if you send somebody to invite me to preach. Like a sign, right? Like a sign, yeah. Mm. And a few moments later, somebody knocked on the door mm. and they needed somebody to be preaching on that week for the Sabbath, or not the Sabbath then, it was the Sunday right. service, right? Right, yeah. Um, and you could tell that God had already been answering his prayer before he prayed it because this mm-hmm. individual came from a place that um, took a long time to get to his place, right? Oh, wow, okay. So he was already on the way while mm-hmm. he was praying his prayer, mm-hmm. right? So William Miller did end up preaching, mm-hmm. you know, about the return of Jesus. Right. Um, you know, a lot of uh, souls were, were converted mm-hmm. and, and changed. But he had a date where he believed that Jesus would come mm-hmm. uh, because of that sanctuary prophecy in the Bible. Right. Um, and that obviously did not occur. It was a great <laughs> disappointment, right. which is prophesied even in the Bible itself that there would be a great disappointment, right? Yes, yes. Now, a lot of people left um, that movement because mm. of this disappointment. They're like, well, you know, everything's wrong or right. or whatever their reasons were, but they left. But there was a group of people who said, you know, we believe in God mm-hmm. and we believe that these, these uh, prophecies are real and true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they kept searching, right? right? And it is through that continual search and study of the Bible mm-hmm. that... Um, everything was revealed. Mm. And it is from these uh, people who came from many other denominations, actually, in which the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, was uh, basically founded. Wow, that's that's cool. The the church, you know, it was really a process that took took some time. And so in, you know, in 1860, they, they, you know, they, there was these many groups around and I believe that's when they chose the name Seventh-day Adventist, right? Mm-hmm. And then obviously 1863, that's when the first general conference was organized. Wow. So pretty amazing. Uh, and you were referring to this being, you know, prophetic and being in the Bible. Um, now, obviously, William Miller did the calculations, found that the way the calculations themselves were right, mm-hmm. but that, you know, the event was different. It was not necessarily the second coming of Jesus because it did not show up, but it was something that we'll talk about, something that's at the center of what it means to be Seventh-day Adventist. Jesus Christ in his, you know, heavenly sanctuary, ministering, interceding for us, which mm-hmm. is very mm-hmm. important for, for Christians. And so 
we'll talk about that later. But for now, let's look at the, you know, the prophetic and biblical applications of being Seventh-day Adventist. It's in the, it's in the history, but it's also in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And the passage that comes to me when I think of Seventh-day Adventist is the famous one, Revelation 12, 17. You know, it speaks of the woman. Mm-hmm. Now we know of a woman to mean a church in Bible prophecy, if yes. you study the Bible. And, you know, this woman clothed with the sun, the moon on her feet, amazing, amazing uh, scene. But then the woman has a remnant and the dragon, which is the devil, is angry a- against this seed of the woman, yes. the remnant, what remains of the church, the greater church throughout all ages yes. at the end of time. And there are two distinct uh, characteristics of that group of people at the end of times. The first is that they keep the commandments of God and they have the spirit of prophecy. Mm -hmm. Those are the two main characteristics. And both of them are equally important because if you think of the Ten Commandments of God, it just ties with the Sabbath itself because the Sabbath is the fourth commandment which by and large has been neglected by most of Christendom because, you know, they don't really think that it's still in effect. And some go even to to say that, you know, the whole law is is not really important. We are saved by grace. Mm. But at at the heart of being Seventh-day Adventist is realizing that, you know, the Ten Commandments are still in effect because the law of God is good and pure. And just like God does not change, his commandments don't change as well. But there's also that spirit of prophecy, uh, which is, you know, the reality that there's, you know, God still uses prophets according to the prophecy of Joel. Mm -hmm. It did not end with the Pentecost. The gifts are still being given in the church. And in a very special way, we recognize Ellen White as having this gift. And (laughs) what she wrote can speak for itself. Uh, volumes upon volumes of instruction and counsel in righteous and holy life and in you know understanding the mercy of God and his grace but obviously there are many other uh, instances where you can find you know seventh day adventists in the bible for you uh, daniel where do you connect yourself back to the scriptures where do i connect myself back to the scriptures oh. right where was your roots <laughs> where are my roots right? <laughs> yeah because for you um you you kind of told me about it you think what makes seventh day adventist unique and special is the three angels messages oh yes that is very true why why is that well i think the three angels messages is uh, very unique to mm-hmm. adventism because uh, it speaks about the last day message. And, right. um, well, obviously this message is talking about uh, Babylon falling, mm. you know, and who is Babylon? Right. You know, what does it mean that it's falling? Mm. And and um, it says to get out of Babylon. What does, mm. what does that mean? I mean, mm. in order to get out of Babylon, we need to know where to go, where, 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 we, where Babylon is, right. what it represents, Primarily, you, know? Yes. you know, and if we're members of it. Even, mm. right what does mm. it mean what does it mean to get out of babylon right yeah and this message is pertinent because those who do not leave babylon are destroyed in the end as well. grave danger they're yeah. in grave danger mm-hmm. and and i only see adventism the only denomination that i see is mm. preaching this right? wow 
about this last three angels message, right? So that's right. Um, yeah, and I mean, to to me, that is one of the biggest identities uh, in Adventism is this message. Amen. And and you can find this in Revelation chapter fourteen, from verse chapter six going down. Mm-hmm. And it's very unique uh, because it says that this message needs to go to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. It's it's it goes to everyone on the earth mm-hmm. and. If this goes to everyone on the earth and there's no one preaching about it except Seventh-day Adventists, it, it, it really only, you know, makes that connection that these must be the ones chosen by God to do this work at the end of times. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's really very distinct. And another, another scripture you can read regarding this is Revelation chapter 10, where, you know, John... <laughs> is eating a book, is given a book from the angel. He eats the book. He, he loves it. It's amazing. It tastes like what? Uh, honey, what, Honey, right? Yes. Yeah, but I was looking for the equivalent of, of some nice food out there because oh. I, know, I know Daniel is interested in food. Some nice caramel or something, <laughs> That's right. right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it doesn't, uh, but when it goes into the stomach, it says that it was bitter. Yes. It wasn't pleasant anyway, uh, anymore. Yeah. And obviously, this is symbolic language, and yes. it means something. But anyways, after this, he is told, uh, thou must prophesy again before many peoples, and nations, tongues, and kings. And, you know, when you're looking at the application of this verse, you have to ask yourself, um, because it spoke of this book as being, you know, the little book in the angel's hand. Mm-hmm. And there's only one book that we can think of when approaching this, and that's the book, your book. The Bible and the book of Daniel. <laughs> that's yes. right. Your book is the only book. And the reason why this is important is because the book of Daniel is the only book that was sealed. Because in Daniel 12, 4, it says, you know, Daniel, shut up the words of the book and mm-hmm. seal it until the end of times. Yeah, or many will be running to and fro, basically. That's right. And, you know... This is the only book that was sealed, and so, and and so it 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 just makes sense when you read Revelation chapter ten that this is the only other book that's being mentioned here. It's a little book, twelve chapters, but really hard to understand. William Miller, you spoke about him, right? He studied the book primarily of Daniel. Mm-hmm, Daniel mm-hmm. chapter eight uh, is where we find that amazing prophecy unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. That's right. So he read that, he's like, what is the sanctuary? What does it mean to be cleansed? Now his understanding was, the earth must be cleansed by fires, God's judgment. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you read carefully, even though the date was right, 1844, because yeah. if you do the math, it falls in 1844. It was speaking about something else that was going to happen. And so this chapter really just traces the whole story you told us of the, the, you know, the church, how it began, the Miralite movement, because at first they were excited about the return of Jesus Christ. And that refers to eating the book and, you know, finding it amazing. Yeah. The Bible says in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, thy words were found and I did eat them. And your words were a joy and rejoicing of my heart. Mm. You know, when you study the word of God, you just feel this deep joy within you that you cannot contain. Yeah. And so the Miralites, the people during those times, not just Miralites really, but 
most of the, uh, most of the Christian world at that time were excited about the prophecies of you know Mila and what he preached that Jesus is coming back. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the great disappointment happened, and you know they 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 found out that Jesus did not come. They were disappointed, and it's all depicted here in the book of Revelation ten. But verse 11 says, thou must prophesy again before many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. And that's what happens after the disappointment, right? That's correct. Because, I mean, it was a devastating disappointment for many because mm-hmm. many had sold their lands, everything. Right. And they didn't really care for how much they sold it for because they didn't really think they were going to be there for that much longer. So money right. was immaterial to them at that point. Right? Mm. So, yeah, I mean... Yet, despite that, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible, by saying you must prophesy again, yeah. prophesied that this movement would survive this disappointment. Amen to that. Yeah. And it did survive. That's how Seventh-day Adventist was born. And that's how we are here today, our Seventh-day Adventist. And so we're just tracing our roots and, you know, studying more about what it means. You know, it said that it's to nations, tongues, and, and kings. And it's kind of similar to Revelation 14 because the message goes to kings, I mean, kindreds, nations, and tongues, mm-hmm. to everyone, really. Yeah. And so, in fact, what's being said here to be prophesied again is none other than the three angels' message mm. uh, itself. That's right. the message that needs to go to the entire world before Jesus comes. Now, being Seventh-day Adventist is actually very important yes. when you make this connection. Jesus said before he went to heaven and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all the world, you know, for a witness. And then mm-hmm. the end shall come. It's very interesting because the gospel that Jesus speaks about is very specific. Yes. And I appreciate that because there's so many gospels today <laughs> that yes, we have sir. in our world. And Paul kind of speaks to that where he says, if anyone preaches another gospel than this or another Jesus, basically. another Jesus, right? Yeah. And so, which gospel is Jesus speaking about? Is he speaking about, you know, we are saved? What is he referring to? And obviously, Jesus did not leave us asking these questions because he comes back in Revelation and says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Himself handing over to John what exactly will happen in the last days. And Revelation chapter 14 is, you know, refers this what it says in the Bible. It says, this is the everlasting gospel. Everlasting gospel, yeah. And you can just make that connection right there. The three angels' messages is the everlasting gospel. It's the this gospel that Jesus referred to that must go to all the world before he returns so that the end will come. Now, what that means is, if this the angels' message does not get to everyone in the world, we may have to stay on this earth for some time mm. because this seems to be the deciding factor of yeah. when Jesus comes back. Yeah. Well, there's a work that needs to be done. That's right. And now when we say the everlasting gospel is a three angels message, mm. uh, we must also understand that, you know, again, there's, there's only one gospel. That's right. Um, and that it's always been preached. Mm-hmm. And what specifically the three angels message mm. is talking about is a false system of worship, you know, mm. one that is replacing the true gospel. Right. And that true gospel is Jesus, yes. right? Yes. What Jesus has done for us, how he sacrificed his life 
to die for us mm. and you know and pay that penalty of sin for us that right there that that little just that like john three sixteen, yeah that's the gospel mm. and this is why in the end times the three mm. angels message is important yeah because the three angels message is pointing to the fact that mm. that that gospel is mm-hmm. being replaced wow. by babylon in the end times but babylon is about to fall mm. and if and if you don't change your course mm-hmm. and see the right gospel the everlasting gospel right right uh, then you're in danger of you know mm. losing your life that's that's a very important you know uh important uh portion to to mention because you know the gospel is the gospel like you said for god so loved the world and you know even within seventh day adventist there are people who you know may you know share some of these things in a different light mm-hmm. <laughs> than than the light you may see um they will present, you know, the three angels' message as something than it is, than what it is really, because the three angels' message at the heart of it, there's love, mm-hmm. right? There's, you know, God, G- Jesus Christ, the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. These are the, some of the themes that the Book of Revelation discusses. So God is just calling us out of Babylon, out of His love. Yeah, it's it's just so hard though. To, because when you think of Babylon, it means confusion. Yes. And, you know, sometimes you may be in Babylon and you don't even know it because you could be in Babylon proclaiming the name of Jesus mm. and supposedly believing in the gospel too. Yes. And so that's where the challenge comes in because there's so much deception. And that's one of the primary um, techniques, methods that the devil uses. Yes. deception he deceives the whole world the book of revelation chapter 12 says well we'll be discussing some of these themes as as we move on in this series and breaking down each point uh, point by point and also going o- over some objections that we meet at seventh day Adventist yes, yes. and kind of speaking to those things and making things clear for for you who may be new to seventh day Adventist or even for people who are already Seventh-day Adventists as well, or just as an outsider just looking in to see what's going on. Um, but as we conclude, I want, to talk, I want us to talk about the, the life of a Seventh-day Adventist. Okay. Because what it means to be Seventh-day Adventist is not in so much what we believe or just what we teach. Ultimately, it's about our lives, how we live, and how... Why is it important to even be Seventh-day Adventist? So I want to ask you, Daniel, in your years of being Seventh-day Adventist, how has it benefited you? Mm. It has benefited me greatly, okay. I must say. Now, when I say this, mm. I'm going to have to say that I'm not a perfect human being. Right. And during my life mm. as a Seventh-day Adventist, I've made many mistakes, mm. you know, and some thinking that I'm doing something correct, mm-hmm. but I'm not, right? right? But I'm a human being that's always learning, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, I do remember how I used to be before, <laughs> you know, accepting Christ mm-hmm. for myself. And uh, I know that I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. But having that relationship with Jesus and and that being important to me, yeah. it gave me purpose, Mm. as well right and in this world there's a lot of people that run around without purpose true you know yeah. and without purpose why are we here you know mm. and i think this is 
one of the many reasons we have depression or yeah. or even suicides mm -hmm. in this world because you're taught that you're here by luck and chance you right know? Um, you're not necessary hmm. right so just that revelation mm. having value yeah. has immensely changed my life Mm. But then also the things that you learn from the Bible, yeah. some of the principles and, uh, you know, the health messages, for example, right. has improved my life physically as well, mm -hmm. mentally mm. as well. And also realizing that in Adventism, in the core, really, yeah. it, it's that relationship with Jesus, yeah. right? Uh, and that right there can be a little bit difficult for mm. a lot of people because, you know, we're looking at people, you know, look at the Ten Commandments. It's a bunch of rules. You know? <laughs> right. But of course, if you always look at the Ten Commandments as something written in stone, mm. you'll always struggle. True. But when you look at the Ten Commandments in the fact that that's the character of God. That's who God is. And that's who God is. Mm. And you're in a relationship with God. Yeah. That changes things because your motive changes. Right. Your motive is not just to follow a set, mm. uh, uh, you know, rules. Yeah. But your motive is, is that I want a close relationship with Jesus. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep, keep my, my commandments. commandments. Yeah. Right. So for me, I see like uh, my relationship with God, with Jesus, basically as a kind of like a marriage. Right. You know? uh, when you get it married, it's a struggle. I think in the first few years, when yeah. you're getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. But eventually it's that love that you have for one another mm -hmm. that basically makes that road map. Right. Together as, uh, you know, you're letting go of certain things yeah. that you, you must let go in order for that relationship to continue. Mm -hmm. And and I think that road mm -hmm. is sometimes um, seen as legalism for some people. Yeah. But it's not once you see it in its rightful uh, mm -hmm. view. It, it's really about perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, as well as for me, there's, there's I guess, many benefits for being a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, you know, I imagine if I grew up differently, what different values would I have? Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, you know, being Seventh-day Adventist, we are told the health message, and some, that's something I'm grateful for mm -hmm. um, because it has kept me healthy <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, told me that some principles... I should have in regards to education. It has really made me, I would say, a better person. Yeah. Um, when I look at my surroundings, how I relate to other people. Yes, that's very important. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that even though we have this message, um, you know, Three Angels message calling other people out of Babylon, but our view as Seventh-day Adventist is that God really knows the heart of people, the hearts of people. Yeah. And he rewards each one according to their heart and the motive of why they're doing what they're doing. So you could be from another denomination, but as long as you, you're doing what you know mm -hmm. and you, you just keep the light that you have yeah. and live your life as best, to, as, as best as you can according to that light, God considers considers you faithful, yes. And so that's that's something that was really eye opening. Being Seventh Day Adventist, and I, I think those would be the only points. But more than that, I want to speak on the global aspect of you know how has Seventh Day Adventism 
benefited the world at large. You spoke about the health message. I think that's that's a big deal for us, right? It is a big deal for us, and I believe that it has benefited the world quite a lot mm. uh, in ways that you know we can't even imagine. Mm. Um, uh, you know, now it's common knowledge <laughs> with plant-based diets that right. are you know very helpful and good for reversing disease. But I mm. believe that we spread that message long before mainstream science. Uh, figured it all out yeah you know and i believe that there's many things you know companies that mm -hmm. were established uh, that helped people health wise yeah. sanitariums mm -hmm. um, hospitals you got loma linda for example which yeah. is uh, one of our biggest centers mm -hmm. uh, that we have as a denomination mm -hmm. uh, in order to help people physically and we have had a lot of advances in that aspect, right? And I think we've made an impact in mm -hmm. that way. Yeah, it's really a blessing. And, you know, that speaks to what it means to be Seventh-day Adventist. It's not this secluded group of people mm -hmm. trying to, you know, indoctrinate one another or something like that. Yeah. It's really about a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's realizing what Jesus has done for us. It's accepting the call to, you know, be his and be used by him in all aspects of our lives yeah. education music dress everything we do at the end of the day has to reflect jesus christ and i believe that's what it means to be seventh day adventist if if you go to the book of genesis chapter 2 and then hebrews chapter 4 as well genesis chapter 2 of course speaks of how god after creating he rested and uh, Hebrews picks up on that and says, just as God, when he created, he rested, even as who enter into his rest must, you know, also rest from our works. Mm. And I found that to be very powerful uh, because one of the things that's at the heart of being Seventh-day Adventist is not just the commandments of God, but the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes. And that's the aspect that's often missed, even within, you know, Seventh-day Adventism. We preach so much sometimes of the commandments, we forget that we, we are only able to do those things by faith. Yes. So righteousness by faith is one of those amazing things that I connect with because it tells me that the life that I live is not by myself. Mm. It's God that enables me to do anything yes. and everything that I do. Yeah, nothing that I do, nothing that I do correctly. Right. That All that is, mm. is meaningless. True. Right? It's God working through me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, God is the author and finisher of my faith. That's right. right? And so if I'm relying upon myself, then that's, you know, mm. faith by works. That's right. At that point in time, right? Yeah. But not, it's not righteousness by faith. Right. And that's, yeah, that's a very important point. Yeah. So being Seventh-day Adventist, one would summarize it. It's, it's just that balance between those. If you think about it theologically, it's about a balance between those two mainstream understandings, yeah. which is, you know, righteousness by works or righteousness by faith. The whole idea of law and grace, I think there's a beautiful harmony between those two. And that's where a Seventh-day Adventist lies. It's very humbling, <laughs> right. actually. It's very humbling, you know. And uh, and to be a Seventh-day Adventist, mm. uh, 
uh, obviously everybody believes that their denomination knows the truth and has everything. And yeah. I don't think we're an exception as Seventh-day Adventists. We believe mm. that we, we have uh, some knowledge you right. know, of the scriptures and especially those pertaining to the end times. Mm. But this does not mean I'm better than anybody. Right. What I always believe this means is that God has entrusted us mm. with greater responsibility because of this. So it's actually uh, more like a curse, I guess. <laughs> if you think about it, James speaks of, about, you know, do not desire to be teachers because we shall receive greater judgment. Yes. So it's something like that. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I think this should lead to greater compassion towards yeah. others, I think, if anything else. Right. To whom much is given, much, much is, is required. required. Wow, that's what it means to be Seventh-day Adventist. And maybe a last point, um, going back to um, Genesis chapter 2, it spoke about how God rested from all his works. Mm -hmm. and there's something very important within being Seventh-day Adventist, and that is finishing the work. We've been assigned a task to do, to preach the gospel to all the world. But even more so, it's not us just preaching. It's us doing something else, living out the, the life, the message that we are, we are sending out to the world. Throughout the whole great controversy, the devil has accused God that, you know, that his ways are not just, that his commandments are grievous. But God wants to prove otherwise. Mm -hmm. And... Seventh-day Adventist is that person that does that at the end of times. At the end of times, we see that many people, mainstream, most people will, and you can read this in Revelation chapter 13, where the devil now impersonating or using people, using powers, will force everyone to worship a certain way. Those who do not accept to that will be, you know, face punishments including up to death. But there must be faithful few that stand and say, we cannot do this. And I believe that's the greatest test of all times that will vindicate God, that will show that God's commandments can be kept mm -hmm. by, of course, his power. And I believe being Seventh-day Adventist means we must be ready for that, to reflect God and, in a sense, vindicate God and show that he is love throughout our lives, throughout everything that we do. And so when I say finishing the work, I'm actually speaking, um, really, if you read, I believe it's Revelation 8, somewhere there, it speaks about that at the sound of the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God should be finished. And what is really the mystery of God? Uh, there's another verse that talks about that, and it says, you know, He's the mystery of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm. And having that indwelling Christ within you to be able to live out the life that Jesus lived on this earth. Not that we want to be saviors of the world as Jesus was, yeah. but that we want to be his followers mm -hmm. and do what mm -hmm. he did. And that's something that I really admire. And uh, I think Seventh-day Adventists are called to do that to live out, to have Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
Now glory refers to the character of God and his life, his ways, his thoughts, his desires. And I believe that that's what we're called to do. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So any, any final thoughts on being a Seventh-day Adventist? Final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I think you pretty much covered quite a lot there. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, uh, thank you for joining us as we're discussing what it means to be Seventh-day Adventist. We hope you are blessed, and we invite you to join us on our second episode as we now break down the different beliefs that we have that makes us different as Seventh-day Adventists and why those things are important and now going to the biblical foundations for those things. So expect more study in the next episode. Very good. Bye for now.